start off and the I can see now that there's numbers going round so I know I'm up so that means that I am recording right this is Pedagodzilla, the pop culture podcast with the pedagogy core or the other way around I'm still not quite sure what I'm supposed to say at this point um okay I'm not quite saying maybe I need to turn the gain up oh I'm so bad at this hang on let's is that making a difference Oh, I'm so sorry, Mike. I don't know what I'm doing. No, don't touch, don't touch the dials. Okay, and um, I'm not a professional. I'm Mark Childs. Uh, imposter syndrome incarnate. I don't normally say that, but I am because I'm in charge of the buttons and I'm not normally allowed in charge of the buttons because it's something I'm evident. Oh, I know what's going wrong. Maybe. No, it's, everything's working. Good. Relax. Okay, I have two guests today. Um, so um, we're all skiving off from sessions. So I have Andy and I have Rochelle. I've known both for several years. Um, also um, long-time members of Playful Learning Conference. So Andy, do you just want to introduce yourself and talk about Playful Learning and the conference and what brings you here? Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm Andy Walsh. I, I work part-time at the University of Huddersfield and part-time doing weird and wonderful things as I as I see fit. Uh, librarian by trade. Yes. Yeah, but I don't spend all my day stamping books and, <laughs> and whatever else. Uh, I, I try and spend my time doing creative, playful type stuff. Yeah. Students. Uh, and it was another librarian that brought me into... Oh, who was that? This original. It was Rosie. Oh, of course. Many, right. many, many years ago. Right, okay. And Rochelle. Hello. Yes. All right, then introduce yourself and say what brings you to play. Which, how many playful learnings have you been at now? Um, so this is my second. Right. So not that many, really. Okay. Um, unless you count last year. Which you organised. You did the online. I did. I, yeah. did. Well, I organised last year. How did that year. go? Uh, that was good. It was a lot of work. We did manual point adding. Oh. Um, so often people would be playing all day and I would be adding points all night. Uh, just to make sure that it stayed in time. <laughs> so that was that. Yeah, that was an experience. Oh right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And what yeah. do you do? So I am a senior digital learning designer. I work within DCAD. So I work with you, Mark, mm-hmm. as you well know. Um, and yeah, that that's what I do. What brings me to playful learning? Um, originally, I started a masters. I did a games module. Came across Nick's work and found this conference. Thought I'd be brave and come along. Didn't mm. speak to anybody at all. And um, and then you criticised me for ro- not recognising you when we started working together and go, well, we were at the same conference. Did you talk to me? I did speak to you, yeah. Oh, God. I'm so you were one of the only people I spoke to. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, no. Oh, do you feel the bad guilt. Now? Oh, Terrible no. guilt. Oh, oh right. okay. you, you gave me a balloon. Did I? I? Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I stole one of your balloons ah. and you told me off and then we and, and that had was a it. very memorable interaction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I oh, know, but uh, I'm back. So okay, okay, good, yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we we have some questions that I was going to ask. So, Andy, do you want to tell us about a game that you really enjoy playing? A board game, video mm. game, could be even yeah. be a sport. We've had a person that liked playing sport on. Yeah, you're only asking that because it's voice only and people can't see the shape of my belly. Definitely not a sport. No, no, no. Uh, but it yeah. could be. Yeah, it, it's. Depending on what day and what mood you're asking, it will be different answers, but probably uh, we didn't play test this at all. 
because it's the one game I, I played with my children that resulted in them carrying a banana around all day. Oh, uh, right. After that, played it in the morning, and for about yeah. 12 hours, they carried a banana around with them. I don't know that game. Do you want to explain yeah, that game a bit? Apparently, then? zombies don't like bananas. Oh, okay. Carrying a banana around <laughs> with them to protect themselves. Uh, but it's a, it, it's a very, very simple, very silly card game right. uh, that it could just last one card to play and, and, and the round's over, or it could last ages. And it's just lots of very silly things. And it really suited my children's yeah. sense of humour. And uh, um, and I suppose wanting to pick things up quickly mm. and easily. Yeah. So it's not the game itself that I like. It's the, it's the link with my children and playing mm. them and their reactions around it. Oh, that's really interesting. I think there's a theme coming out because we were talking to Dave White earlier and about how being a parent influences your gaming. And, mm. and so I'm, I've just married into a family with kids not just sorry seven years now um so getting that experience but as i'm from teenagers onwards and it's and it does change your uh, your what you're doing games for to some extent so there's a there's a theme for another podcast at some point yeah yeah uh, okay rochelle your a game that's not just, your favorite just one uh, yeah, Can I no no pick two? pick two three as long as okay. it's not huge amount and oh no it's not it's yeah, not, I don't worry <laughs> so um the first one is probably the first one i ever played um so i've got a brother who's 10 years older than me and my brother is one of the best people in the world um and he had a mega drive when i was younger mm. not when well i guess he was younger too um and he used to play sonic the hedgehog mm. um and we had a rule that i was allowed to play when he died what he didn't tell me is that he stayed up all night playing on Sonic the Hedgehog because yeah. he wanted, so his goal was to complete Green Hill Zone Act 1 in under 30 seconds, which he could do, but that meant I didn't really play very much. Yeah. Um, so fast forward quite a while, he's got his own kids now. Um, and I think one of my now favorite games or favorite things to play is, well, taking them on adventures and just kind of making it up as we go along. We do a lot of things like hunting for dragons in the forest and things like that, which is always really good fun. So, so play and open play. And Absolutely, yeah. Almost but, not LARPing, almost. No, not any no, of that. I'm not really a, a dresser upper. No, it's, there's no dressing up with no, that. No, none of that. Just lots of imagination. Yeah, um, yeah. And that has stopped me being so serious. So I went through a phase in my life when I was very serious. Yeah. And yeah, that really helped. Uh, so. yeah. I used to, when I was a kid, I remember, I used to, Tend to every time we'd go somewhere on holiday, I'd pretend to be um, an enterprise landing party. I love and it. And I found I went up to my mum's attic and I found a Lego tricorder that I made when I was about ten. <laughs> and I've still I've got that now in the house. It's sort of in a display cabinet, and it's like that's what we used to do. And then you get a bit too self conscious and a bit too serious, and yep. you can't do it anymore. And that's the one advantage of I guess having younger kids. Absolutely, yeah, is that yeah you yeah. can't yeah oh brilliant. A few years ago, my favourite game was Winding Me Son Up. <laughs> <laughs> but, I love it. By his teddy, Sean the Sheep. Right. Naturally. Not that Sean the Sheep, but, you know, it was a sheep called Sean. Uh, going on various adventures, mm -hmm. the extent that I put an extra SIM card in my phone. And it, it was the time he'd just got a mobile phone at 10. That's right. like doing this. And uh, I put Sean the Sheep's phone number in it. And he'd regularly send texts and pictures of the things he was getting up with. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, I love that. Yeah, a bit of a rebel was Sean. <laughs> was he yeah. leading him astray? Yeah. Just, like, setting oh, him up. Completely. No, no, <laughs> leading him astray. Setting him up for his teenage life. Yeah, doing all sorts of 
weird and wonderful things so it's that exploration and definitely fantasy Mm -hmm. and that's almost alternate reality gaming isn't it yeah yeah yeah, that's brilliant so um andy talk to us talk to us talk to us i'm so bad at this now (laughs) talk to us about your practice because you've written you wrote that really interesting permission to play thing well also you're the editor of the journal of playing adulthood journal of play in adulthood so tell us about your practice and what you do and how you approach your job and all that sort of stuff that sort of thing yeah i I sort of i I suppose i approach my job trying to be as rebellious as i can without getting sacked okay uh, as a general principle uh but yeah i I try to take a whole playful approach to the things i do and, and bring in lots of things whether it's playful management or the within teaching or wherever I can sneak it in. Mm. So it's much more of an underlying, I suppose, focus the way I approach stuff rather than bits added on Mm -hmm. to it. So rather than discrete activities. Uh, So, and part of the reason I can get away with quite a lot of that without getting sacked is because I got a special badge for doing it. So, 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 so it's a national teaching fellowship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can say, oh, well, somebody important thought it was good. So that gives you a lot of permission to get away with those sort of things. And to also interfere in areas that you possibly shouldn't do as a librarian. Yeah. So I shouldn't be running a journal. You know, I shouldn't be involved in teaching and learning stuff because of the university. But the teaching fellowship, the National Teaching Fellowship, lets me do things that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. And tell us a bit about that, because I know you mainly through being one of your research subjects, I guess, in the Permission to Play um, yeah. paper. So I, that's still quite, inf- oh, quite, sorry, let me do that again, I, for the edit. <laughs> that's still a really influential paper, isn't it? I think a lot of people are now looking at that and you're saying the citations are going up. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I've no idea about time now because yeah. it was in the before years. times. Oh, <laughs> but, in, but, in the before days. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's probably about three years ago, yeah. isn't it? So it's, uh, it's now the time that the citations are starting to take, mm. take mm. off from it. So yeah, it seems to have, have struck a chord. And to tell us about what it was about. Yeah, so it it was a phrase that was coming up a lot when I was going to things like like playful learning or or the counterplay conference in, in Aarhus, and uh, people talking about the idea that you needed permission to play, mm. but nobody really, Had I it. suppose, discussing what that means yeah. in adults and sort of you know how, how adults get that permission to play. So essentially, the research was talking to a bunch of people that do that, mm-hmm. you know, that do that as part of part of their work, uh, whether it's officially part of their work or not. Yeah. But uh, but get people to play uh, that have grown ups that mm. that we've driven play out of yeah. to a certain extent, and just getting as many ideas from them uh, as to to how they enable play to happen, and pull that together for a whole range of domains in which sort of or things we can do that help play happen and i think that was also a good model for me to see how being a research subject can actually end up being a constructive process because it makes mm. you, it helps you reflect and asking a bunch of questions that actually you never thought to ask yourself and when you find out the answers to them, you think, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I found out something about what I do from having participated in that. So I think that's a good model for anyone else doing 
or ethnographic, whatever qualitative research is, make sure the people you're talking to are getting something out of it as well. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. Rochelle, um, you're, what do you do? What do I do? How do I follow that? Wow. <laughs> well, you do. I, I, okay, I know better than, than most. What Because Rochelle and I are two of three senior learning designers in we, Durham. Yeah. So we are two-thirds of a gestalt entity called MC Raucus. Absolutely, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the MC bit and... Um, I and Rochelle is the rock bit. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. Um, so, what do what do I do? Is that is that? Yeah, what yeah. Let's talk about your practice. Talk through um, sort of your day to day thing. And so, I do a combination of things. I'm in a really strange role, I guess, where um, I teach teachers how to teach, which uses the word teach so many times you forget what it means. Hmm. Um, but what that means in reality is that I have a lot of non-believers. And I do a lot of trying to encourage things, shall we say, rather than explicitly being playful. So I think in a similar sort of way to you, Andy, there's a lot of that underlying philosophy that I um, am try I'm trying to instill and I'm trying to make sure that my practice is playful. That sometimes goes well. That sometimes goes really badly. And I get awful feedback that makes me want to give up. But you have to carry on, don't you? Because, you know got to be safe to fail and all those kind of things and got to be prepared to fail. Um, the other sort of side of my job, which is something that I'm exploring more recently, um, I lead on a PG cap module. So I have my first proper experience of putting all those things I read about into practice and actually teaching. Um, and that's been really interesting because I, I thought I'd go into it and I'd want to deliver lots of sessions and make people play, but actually... I've wanted to be a lot more subtle and make sure that the approach that I'm taking is playful so that other people can explore things and not necessarily feel like they're being forced into it, mm -hmm. um, which has kind of surprised me, to be honest, because I didn't realize that's what I was trying to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of do that in my practice, I guess, the other side of it and the sort of the scholarship aspect for me. I'm really interested in escape rooms um, and this comes from... Uh, well, a slightly different perspective. I mentioned my brother has children. Um, my nephew's autistic. So um, over a period of time, essentially, my nephew's got really into video games. And one of the things I started to recognize was that he was learning things that he was struggling to learn in school through video games. And that got me really, really interested in the potential of play and games in learning and sort of leveling the playing field, I guess, a little bit and looking at it from an inclusivity perspective. So escape rooms for me has kind of come out of that mm -hmm. um, and also has the added benefit of I get to lock people in places <laughs> and then I can subtly teach them things. And then by learning them, they have to then get themselves out, which is kind of enjoyable. But yeah, there's lots of disparate things it feels like for me at the minute that mm. kind of come together. Um but yeah, it, it's a lot more subtle and a, a lot less impactful, I think, at this point in my career. And there's the transition stuff as well, which you're working on. Sure, yeah. So I look after the transition to HE course, which is the academic induction course for all of our foundation and undergraduate students. Um, so the other side of my teaching, so this isn't academic staff, this is like actual real life students, which is uh. a little bit scary. Um, I get to have a, a play with that and again 
sort of taking the playfulness through is really important to me because I think it's important to induct students into a culture that they should hopefully experience. And if I'm doing my job right and the academics are learning about playfulness and hopefully using some of that in their practice, then they should hopefully experience that in their own teaching and in their own learning. Um, so, yeah, one of my favorite things that I did last year, mm -hmm. which is the DCAD cat competition. So <laughs> this was put into the playful, uh, sorry, no, this was put into the transition to HE course. Um, so essentially we have a legend within DCAD of a cat and I have said legend. Mm. So I have said that it doesn't exist. Right. So hopefully I won't get in trouble for that. Um, but we have a cat bowl and we have a collar and we have toys that magically move around the department mm -hmm. and then just periodically appear in different places. So I decided to take that step further because why not? It's incoming students. You might as well have some fun. Um, so I got all of the staff in DCAD to send me pictures of their cats and their pets. Um, and then I made this whole situation where the DCAD cat had started to do some naughty things in the transition to HE course. And his accomplices could be found in the course. And basically the students had to count how many accomplices they found. Right. So yeah, basically count the cats. Really, really simple concept. We got so much good feedback from students and we had, I think it was something like a 91% of students actually went through the course. And the terrifying thing is that's about 11,000 students that actually had access. Wow. So yeah. Good grief. Um, yeah. I can't say how much they engaged with it, but they actually clicked on it. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk about, so the game that you, just quickly remind us of the game that you cited, which was? Oh, uh, uh, I forgot the name of it now. We didn't play test this at all. Test, oh, test, okay. So, and how does that that thing and the way that you're playing with your kids and that the, the sort of like game that you choose chose, uh, you, what's the links? Can you see any links? Is that? between that and and how you've approached your work yeah I, I think a lot of the reason for liking it is because of those relationships with my children and that's really yeah. important to me in my teaching it's not about what i do it's what about we all do ourselves right and getting the links with the uh, the students being as valued as much as me in terms of what they know and what they do and yeah and that, that whole student student-centered approach in lots of different ways but also, uh, there's definite links with the anarchy of it. Uh, yeah, which is partly that power in the, in the lowest level. Mm. Uh, but also sort of doing things that aren't quite what you might expect and what you might not follow on. Yeah, and you've got a game that the, you, your children can excel at. Yeah. Without, actually, without it being too much of a challenge, but which is a kind of level playing field for you and them as well, I suppose. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I gain nothing from my 30-odd years <laughs> extra know, experience like playing games. dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, try and win each time. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, but you've created an environment in which they actually have an equal chance yeah. of winning. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds really significant. Yeah. yeah. And, and the winning itself, the you know like in my teaching learning objectives aren't that important to me because i want learning objectives to be there so i've got something to aim at and they will hit eventually but i don't care if they get something else out of mm. it and that's very much what the game's like there's there's ever changing very different type uh, objectives for winning the game cool. and lots of it's influenced by the people playing it yeah yeah Lovely. that's good rochelle do you think uh, can you see any links between oh absolutely games you're playing with you 
nephews, nibblings. Nibblings, yeah. Uh, and and you, you room and you practice. Yeah, I, I really resonate with what you've just been saying as well. So, I, absolutely, it's nice to it's nice to be able to give them something to achieve, and they feel like they've had some, I guess, some sense of control. Um, and some sense of agency in it as well. I think quite often with children, and I, I guess this is something that I benefit from because I'm their auntie, so mm. I'm a stage removed. Quite often children are told what to do a lot and that they're not given huge amounts of ability to choose for themselves what to do or huge amounts of ability of ability to, you know, kind of just go and explore and figure it out. So I've tried to create spaces for them to do that um and to sort of give them that permission to go and fail whatever and come back and then we speak about the things that they've learned because they failed and I think that's really important I think it's a really really important process and part of them growing up is just giving them those opportunities to kind of be adults but not have to do any of the responsibility bit of it as well yeah like learn about it by playing role playing a different well, yeah. role and absolutely. seeing how that role works rather than being chucked into it at the deep end or whatever absolutely that age yeah and i think as i say i think i benefit from the fact that i'm removed because i can do all that and mm. i can go and be fun auntie sounds really weird i don't, no, don't want to be fine i guess yeah. kind of um i can i can go be that and then they can go back to my brother and he can do all the rules and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to, I'm shocking to say that that's how I do my stepdad role. <laughs> I, I think it's really important though. I, I think. It's have that sort of, yeah, adult that's on their side. Definitely. have to actually, because you can't all be on your side. You can't all be friends with your kids because you have to take some sort of responsibility for how they grow and all those sorts of things. But if everyone adult in their environment's doing that, it mm -hmm. doesn't give them the release of having an adult. Well, that's it. Kind of a, an accomplice. Exactly. And I think that's a really good description of how I hope I am as an auntie. I hope I'm an accomplice. Mm. Um, obviously in a very safe way, not in yeah. a... Like, I don't do anything that's going to put me in that danger. Tree. Go on another branch. You can no, do one more. No, absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah. No, but... Yeah, I get to go take them out of what might be a serious environment. I mean, pandemic is a perfect mm. example. That was very serious. They were homeschooling. So I decided to take on the role of Joe Wicks and I took them for their PE lessons, <laughs> which uh, basically meant that we went and walked the dog and got lost yeah. in the forest and went and tried to go on adventures and got more lost in the forest. I'm really fortunate where I live. We live right on the coast and yeah, it looks like that's basically on our back garden. But I think that gave them just that little bit of relief from reality. Um, and then they went back home and it... I seem to be able to help them relax, I guess, um, which I think sometimes is needed. And I'm really grateful to have that role in their life. And that sounds like your approach to those 11,000 students on the <laughs> transitions course as well. It's like, oh God, this is a really serious situation yeah. you're in. It's a transition to HE, which is scary as hell. Yeah. Let's have a bit of fun and take you on a journey where you're looking for cats. Absolutely. My priority there, um, I think my priority in all of the work I do is to try and reduce anxiety and if there's a situation that is serious and might feel overwhelming to try and help manage that help others manage that kind of thing and yeah that's exactly 
what I was doing with the cats. See, that makes it sound like a plan, Nick. No, no, it's this is this is why the questions are so. I mean, I can't take any credit for these whatsoever, but this is why they've been working. Is because people say this one thing, they say something else, then it's make a link, yeah. and that process of linking them has actually unpacked that sort of connection, which is yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to wind this wind this up. Uh, so you can follow us on at Pedagodzilla um, uh, or me uh, at Mark Childs. Uh, we are. You can look for the Earl on pedagodzilla.com or you can go through one of the enormously long shaggy dog stories that Mike's going to tell about how you could disseminate that or you could just put it in a tweet and pass it and retweet it. Um, Andy, how do people find you online if they want uh, to? Yeah, the easiest is probably Twitter, Playbrarian. Playbrarian. A combination of play and librarian. Yes, that's really good. And Rochelle? Mine is so unoriginal. Mine's just my name. So I, again, Twitter, and it's at Rochelle E. O'Brien. Cool. Right. So uh, that has been us. I have to do a clever intro. Now. I can't do it. I'm just going to pick up one of these little uh, things at random. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> that sounds doesn't sound appropriate, does it? Let's do something else. Okay, I'm happy with that. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much, and um, I'll see you at the rest of the conference, and see you at work uh, next you. week. See you next yeah, week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, oh, hang on.